turns out there then. It's all squeaking. <laughs> Squeak! Yeah, I was asking earlier, um, because I had, I haven't heard it before, but there is a, like, one true God in that, and I was wondering, because of how much Tolkien has taken away from the Bible uh, mm-hmm. for influence, if that there was one of the Valar to overrule all of them. Aru Luvatar. Aru. For some reason that that name just doesn't stick in my mind. Aru Luvatar is like, or so, he's also known as the one. That that's what it was. He he's the one he like personally destroys Numenor uh, according to Tolkien's yeah. stuff, and it's because they sail on Valinor mm-hmm. to take immortality. So yeah, I, I that popped up, and I was like, oh, of course there has to be a hierarchy of the Valar. So yeah, that, that, that I didn't get a chance to. And it's that. definitely based on Christianity, where you have Morgoth that's basically a fallen angel per se. Um, right. He's basically like the devil, and they have Sauron, which is like his greatest disciple, and then you have like the Balrogs, which are kind of like demons, if you want to put it in that sense. <sighs> it's time it's to go down. Well, I thought we had something. Welcome back. Hi. Thanks for joining us. We're talking again of Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. Uh, we're diving into episode four today. <laughs> uh, yeah, episode four. Uh, we uh, left off episode three where uh, there was a little bit too much of the talking. And I'll open it up when we get into it uh, Where if you wanted to go off on... Um, the discovering of Mithril with Elrond and Prince Durin. Yeah, last episode, um, we didn't get much of, uh, if any, Durin and Elrond, which mm-hmm. felt like it was definitely missing some soul there. Yeah. Um, in this episode, we got a lot of that. We didn't get much Harfoots, which I'm actually kind of grateful. So we left off on episode three, where uh, episode three led a lot with the Harfoot story on there. We missed out on Prince Durin and Elrond's story there, so we get to see them here in episode four. You're very excited for that. Uh, this one was called The Great Wave. I don't think we've been covering the names of them or anything, but this one stuck out to me. Yeah, um, it did. When I first watched it, I didn't catch it, mm-hmm. but then I watched it again, and The Great Wave is basically the whole foreshadowing of the destruction of Numenor. The whole uh, the first scene um, is basically question. Queen Muriel is... Uh, mm-hmm around a whole bunch of moms and moms and she's giving the blessings to their newborn children and all oh, of a nice. sudden she turns around this gigantic tsunami comes in and mm-hmm. destroys everything and then Galadriel later on in the episode she touches the palantir and i like how she touches it like it reminded me of saruman the, the yeah the, the, that shot there the way that she touched the palantir looking um, up at her exactly yeah, yeah she sees the the great wave come in and destroy numenor as well mm. so so queen mariel and Galadriel, they both see the the downfall of Numenor. You also you you mentioned there where Queen Muriel sees it uh, in her dreams, but she uh, as well before the wave the wave hits, all the white petals from the white tree come flowing in. Yeah, as well, and I hit on that last point, uh, which has been very nice. the The white petals of the white trees will fall when evil is present. Yeah, so that's my probably uh, my bad pickle about this is yeah. that um, there was supposed to be a great divide, a civil war 
at, for, of Numenor between the king's men, the followers of Arpharazon, and the faithful for Queen Muriel. The faithful, they are the ones that are faithful to the Valar, the old ways, and allies to the elves. Yeah, because you mentioned that there's a whole civil war going on right now, right? It, it, it is, yeah. There, it's, Numenor right now is, is supposed to be a powder keg, but I'm not feeling that. I'm not feeling that the, this episode. There's a little bit of tension, yeah, but not the powder keg ready to be set off. Yeah, they, they have this kind of cool scene where it's like uh, one of the local guys stands up and he says something along the lines of, mm-hmm. elf workers are taking ashore. They're workers who don't sleep, don't tire, don't age. They call the queen an elf lover. So you can see kind of some of that mm-hmm. scent coming on here. And you can see Chance, uh, Chancellor Farazon, he kind of caters to that side a little bit. Right. The man on the soapbox was Halbron's punching bag from the previous episode. Halbron beat him up trying to get his medallion. Yeah, riggedy, riggedy, riggedy. And now he's like, fuck you, Halbron. Fuck you, elf lovers. Which I'm going to say, that felt a little bit racist because he, he was like, the queen's an elf lover. Elf lover. Elf lover. Oh, 100%. But as well, that if that's the escalation of the civil war that they have, not, not well ex- executed. I get it. I think racism is okay in the case of Lord of the Rings. Because, hmm. like, I think everybody's racist against orcs. You know, orcs are a race. Are they a race? They're kind of all evil. Yeah. They're just kind of like corrupted elves, basically. Okay. So I get that. I get that point of it. But think about Numenor. Is the elves literally gave it to the Numenorians? No, the Valar did. Well, yeah, the Valar. But either way, the Valar gave. Yeah, the Valar rose Numenor out of the ocean and gave to them for being allies to the elves. So yeah, the elves. Yeah, I, I get what you, yeah what they work together yeah. side by side with um, Elros, right? Who was mm-hmm. the one that defeated Mor- Morgoth? Twin brother to Elrond. Yep. Yeah. So. I don't know exactly where there was falling out because, yeah, that was uh, centuries before. Yeah. But then, as well, they are foreseeing the the fall of Numenor, uh, the Great Wave. Mm-hmm. You brought up a good point talking about the orcs uh, being a race of corrupted elves. Uh, we got to see more of Adar, the, the father to yeah. the orcs. He was quite lovely. This man was the same uh, actor that played Uncle Benjen in Game of Thrones. Oh. Yeah. The uncle that takes Jon Snow to the wall. Oh. And then disappears and then later rescues him. a lot him. of makeup. It was, right? Like, yeah. I didn't recognize him at first. But then as well, last time I saw Uncle Benjamin, he was uh, looking like a White Walker hmm. as well. But he had to be one of the first uh, elves that were corrupted by Morgoth. And so I was curious, do you think that he was at the uh, Sauron's original fortress, the one that was up in Forawaith? That wouldn't surprise me. I mean, yeah. that, that kind of goes onto your theory that Halbron is Sauron, but it seems like the show is really setting it up right now for Adar mm-hmm. to be Sauron. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, too, they're going to need some sort of twist. So I, I can definitely see Halbron being Sauron. That's not, that's not far from the realm of believability. That did that did raise my Sauron radar uh, for Adar yeah. to that he he could be Sauron. Uh, the the line that mm-hmm. specifically like rang a bell for me was he mentioned that he's not a god yet. Yet. So either he's he is Sauron and he's looking to become a god, or he's looking at um, battling Sauron for his position because Sauron's overcome. Yeah, because he was 
the follower to Sauron, he was uh, one of his, I would say, generals, commanders of his armies. Are you taking this back from the war? I haven't. I, I don't know. I just know that he was a follower of Sauron. And so oh, being that. that he is a corrupted elf, he he isn't an orc. He's a crow. He's a corrupted elf that he yeah. um, has to be one of the originals. Um, so that was very him and uh, Aaron Deer's interactions were very well done uh, in an artistic aspect of I'm going to send you back with a message kind of presence. He he was very intimidating, but at the same time not. I did the whole interaction. He was like kind of proving his outside. He was like, "Oh yeah, where are you from? Oh, you." By the river over there, mm-hmm. like showing his familiarity with the elf land. Yeah, but then also, at the same time, he mentions to Aaron Deer that the lies he's been told run so deep that to entangle them it would require the creation of a new world, mm-hmm. insinuating that there may there may be more than meets the eye mm-hmm. when it comes to what the elves believe. Yeah, yeah. So, I, uh, you ready? Hold on here, because we're about to go Hold deep. It. We're about to go deep. Uh, he's talking about the creation of a new world where Melkor, uh, Morgoth, he actually wasn't able to create uh, like a new race or anything. He wasn't a creator of the Valar. Um, so that's why he couldn't create the orcs. He could only corrupt the elves. Uh, that's why he originally kidnapped him and took him over before they heard the calling uh, of Valinor to head to, to battle so he he kidnapped him early on and corrupted him they became orcs therefore he he isn't a creator and then therefore uh adar wouldn't be able to create right now but he see. he seems to be trying to climb the chain makes sense it seems like adar being the first orc i can kind of see that because he's mm-hmm. kind of got the he's got the elvish looks a little bit yeah um but He's kind of got darker skin a little bit. Yeah. Almost like a little bit of a twisted appearance. It, it threw me off a little bit. And again, why I thought he was Sauron, it comes back to the Shadow of Mordor, Shadow of War games um, that came out. Uh, I haven't played those in forever, man. Yeah, I, I haven't either. I, I saw a thumbnail for it and it sparked a memory of it that in that game uh, where they had... Uh, Sauron, he was under disguise tricking the elves to forge the rings. He oh, was really? he was under disguise as an elf. Halbrand was locked up, and, and then Galadriel gets locked up. Mm-hmm. And then Halbrand brings up that so far out of all the the, the things that Galadriel has done that, that should have irked the queen, mm-hmm. nothing really has done anything until she brought up the king, which okay. kind of like shows... Halbron's the way that he was kind of able to kind of pry that out of her shows that he has a really in deep understanding of how to kind of how people work, how to manipulate people right. a little bit, and so he kind of steers her in that direction a little bit. Um, so you, you definitely see a little bit of deviousness there. Gotcha. While we're talking about Halbron, Galadriel, and Numenor, I also want to touch base about Isildur. So Isildur, he eventually gets kicked out of the the navy whatever the fuck their navy is the sea guard they're all navy uh he gets kicked out of the sea guard and uh because he let he purposely lets a rope slip 
and his friend catches it. The captain of, of their ship sees it and kicks him and two of his friends off. The reason he was letting it go, he was hearing voices coming from Valinor he, he, from the west. I'm very curious, who do, who do you think that the voices are? Coming oh, from Valinor. Isildur. Isildur. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that can go one of two ways. It's a good voice, it's a bad voice. You think? It's a bad voice, it's probably Sauron. If it's a good voice, it... They make it seem yeah. and sound nice. That's a tough one. I, I really don't know. Honestly, I didn't really catch that. I don't think it could be Valinor, um, yeah. Sauron coming from Valinor. Did the Myers come from Valinor? I believe so. Did yeah, because they're kind of angelic beings. They are. Yeah, they're like um, lesser yeah. of them. But uh, that's probably, what I was curious. Yeah. But um, that's where I think would Sauron have a presence in Valinor? Kind of thing. I've seen a lot of speculation on it that it could be his mother as well. What the fuck's his mother doing over there? Okay. I could see that. I mean, there seems to be quite a bit of mystery there. It, it's a woman's is. voice. Yeah. It It's light. That's why I don't... I say no to Sauron. Is it's a woman's voice. That's they make right. it sound pleasant. You look upon Valinor to the west and it's sunsetting and everything. Definitely, it's definitely some sort of foreshadowing there. Yeah. So, definitely, this is something worth taking note of because it seems so small. Right. It's so small, I didn't catch it. Um, didn't even put that in my notes. Do you think that's for this season? Or you think that might be for next season? Again, this is a, yeah. a five season uh, runner. That's a great question. I mean, it, it very well could pop up this season. Could pop up later on. Mm-hmm. Um, there might be more. I'm assuming that you could just say you don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. But I like to speculate. I like to pretend I know things. Alright. Shooting the shit there with Michael. Curious to see, yeah, where why is Isildur being called to Valinor? Um and does he ever make it? I I don't recall anything of it. I know he eventually becomes the king of Gondor, but that's to the east. That's Middle Earth there. So very interesting to see that. Um sticking with Numenor. We saw in here as well the first revealing of rings in Rings of Power, the Palantir. Yeah. A, a all-seeing stone, one of seven. Uh, what were your thoughts on that scene? You, you, you mentioned about how it looked like Sauron when Galadriel was going to reach for it. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Uh, not Sauron, like Sauron, like that Sauron, little, like, finger yeah. thing that he does, like right when he touches the Palantir. Yeah. Um... I got the same vibes from that. And the Galadriel says, like, oh, yeah, this isn't the first Palantir I've touched. So right. that kind of begs the question, what did you see on the other Palantirs? Ooh, okay. Um, so. this, this one was a Palantir of destruction. It just showed the destruction, destruction of it. Uh, we haven't seen anything else from the Palantirs. You and know then, what is interesting? Yeah. The king's name is Tar Palantir. The king right now in... And Numenor. His name is Tar Palantir. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Her, uh, Mary, Queen Muriel's uh, dad. That is yeah. bedridden. Yep. Mm-hmm. Her little I, I didn't know that. daddy there. His name is Tar Palantir. How curious. Connections? Question I have mark? no idea. I didn't look this one up, honestly. I just kind of took note of it, and then we'll see where it goes. 
We will follow up on episode five. Is yeah. Tar Palantir, the king of Numenor, connected to the Palantir all-seeing stones? That that is very interesting. I have I I didn't catch that. Yeah, um, subtitles, man. I dove into it that uh, this Palantir, this all-seeing stone, uh, I don't believe it's the same one from Lord of the Rings that Sauron has because there are seven. There are seven all-seeing stones. This was just one of them. They are all dispersed and lost. Uh, But according to the lore for Tolkien, he, uh, the faithful, the men who leave Numenor following the old faith of the Valar and allies to the elf, they eventually find all seven and uh, return them to Gondor. Yeah, I I am curious to see if we'll see that uh, in these upcoming seasons. Um, but at the same time, uh, they they are quite skimming over the Palantir. Yeah. It, it was just, hey, here's a Palantir. Here's another all-seeing stone. You remember the one from Lord of the Rings? So mm. they, there's the a lot of lore. kind of has that little, like, uh, what is that? That little thing that she looks into, that little... It's not like a thing of water. Like a little well type of thing that she looks into. A wishing well. Yeah, basically a wishing well. And then I believe Frodo looks into it in Lord of the Rings. And um, he sees the destruction of it. (laughs) It kind of is a bird bath. A a puddle. (laughs) He sees the destruction of the Shire. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and so Galadriel touching the Palantir, seeing the destruction of Numenor. There's kind of a little circular thing going on there. Yeah. Yeah. So... I, I didn't think about that because yeah. Galadriel was the one that showed Frodo that yeah. in Lord of the Rings. Interesting. Um, cool. So that's all I have for the Palantir. Uh, quick note on that. The Faithful. Um, sinking of Numenor. And then we could jump into the other storyline of Elrond and Calabrimbor. Calabrimbor sending Elrond to Prince Durin in Casa Doom, mm. but as well you can you can definitely go off on your rant for the Harfoots and how you appreciate not seeing them. Yeah, so um, I thought that episode four was uh, the best one so far, and then I was thinking about like why, what made this one good, and I was like, huh. There were like no Harfoots. <laughs> if there was, it was such a small scene that it's like it completely skipped my mind. But like episode three, I thought was the worst one because there wasn't any Elrond and Durin. And then episode four, I was like, things are starting to pick up a little bit. We're still getting a little bit of world building, which I was kind of hoping that uh-huh. like setting the plot, like they keep like insinuating that evil was coming like, with with the, the the leaves falling or Seven whatever, time. like. There's, there's a lot of insinuation that evil's coming. We get that. Uh, we've, we've had four episodes of that. Like, I'm ready for the plot to start, right. you know? Um, Winter is coming. Exactly. Winter is coming. How much more can you say? Like, I understand. So, uh, Harpus not being this episode was definitely, um, yeah, that, that storyline was boring me. In this episode, though, we did get to see a lot of Elrond and Prince Durin the Third at Khazad-dûm, where here... Wait a second. I thought we were talking about Celebrimbor and Elrond. We're jumping over to Durin. Did was Caliburnbor in episode four? 
Yeah, man. Um, what did I miss? They were so it was it was kind of like a a closer. Uh, it was a shorter scene. Caliber Moore wasn't in very long. Like, I think they're both like drinking tea, kind of overlooking the creation of the forge, okay. and then. Um, Caleb Brimbor said something that, that he remembers Elrond's father saying that his future might be in his son's, so Elrond's, mm-hmm. hands. So, right. um, and that, like, just kind of another another kind of indication there that there's the ability of foresight. Okay. That, that is very nice. We, we know of um, Elrond and Elros, twin brothers, uh, half-elvish. Yeah, I, I'm very interested to see where that goes. Do, talking about Caleb Brimbor, he is the known elf of the Smith, elf smiths yeah. that forged the, the rings. Do you think that they're going to forge the rings in this season? I think that's the whole point of the forge. Yeah, and I, like just the the pace, like right away they're talking about. Oh yeah, we got to forge this for, this uh, this forge. Uh, forge this forge. forge we got we got to make this forge by spring. And then, like, the very next scene, basically, in the next episode is, like, the forge being, like, half done. You can see, like, a little elven crane thing in the background there, which is kind of cool. And then dwarves and elves working together to create this thing, rushing it to get it done. So I I definitely see it being completed this episode. That's right, because we uh, also saw in this episode where Prince Durin shared with Elrond Mithril. He's... They discovered Mithril and was able to share with them um, the use of it. And so I'm, I'm very curious to see where this is going to go. Uh, pitting elves and dwarfs against each other. I think that's what the forge is for. It's for the Mithril. Yeah. I, it, it's going to be very interesting because how... Are, are the rings that they're forging, is it just Mithril? I, I, don't, I don't recall in the lore. No I'm assuming it is. I would say it's a great part of Mithril, because um, that's supposed to be some groundbreaking technology that yeah, is cooler than sliced bread. It would just make too much sense. They're introducing new ore, they're making a forge, I mean, put put two and two together. Uh-huh. So, that's kind of where, where I'm getting that from so far. I must have got up to use the bathroom or something, because I, I miss that of where uh, the dwarves and the elves are already working on Piss bucket. the forge. Yeah. You miss nothing. Note to self, buy a piss bucket, miss nothing. Check. Or pot, if that also works. <laughs> um, I don't tell you how to live your life. There's that whole scene there where um, Durin kind of disappears for a bit, and, and Elrond's kind of questioning Disa a little bit. He's like, where's Durin at? Where's he gone to? Like, trying to figure out, like, what exactly is going on here. Mm. And, um... Elrond's kind mm-hmm. of thinking that Durin's been putting him off. And Elrond says this line once. He kind of, he's like a little suspicious that Deese is lying to him because she points out, why are you making his favorite food? And then she's like brushing it off. Like, oh, uh-huh. it needs to set for a bit. This and that. And um, Elrond says, there's no secret worth concealing with deception. It's a bromance. Yeah. And then like one of the next scenes here, you see um Disa and Durin they meet up on the bridge and uh-huh. I thought that scene was shot really really well because it's the close up of the two kind of talking okay. um about what like um, the cinematography yes, of it the shot yeah. okay okay the way that um yeah exactly the way that shot was set up was really good and they're talking about how Durin was down 
um, over by uh, like the caverns of Miramar or something like that. Uh-huh. Um, and then all of a sudden it zooms all the way out, like yeah. And then you get shows the size yeah, of it. Yeah, shows how far away it was, and then you see Elrond like kind of listening and listening to whisper the elvish ears, the elvish ears, and the elvish sight, which I thought was you super fucking super cool. pricks. Yeah, he's dropping little bitches. Don't be dropping noise. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Elrond heads down to the old mine below the mirror mare. Um, and um, it's kind of interesting. You get this scene where he kind of, uh, he drums on the wall. He goes, rich, prone, kiss the stone, polish your gems in gold. And then all of a sudden, the doorway kind of opens. Okay. So it's interesting how he knew to open that doorway. The riddle. Uh-huh. Um, riddle me this, Elrond. Yeah. And then Durin comes out. He's like, I knew it. I knew you were in here first. And then this, <laughs> it was hilarious. And then Elrond's like, what's going on, man? <laughs> you know? Hey, what's up? I'm yeah. Like, about to elf my way out of this. Yeah. Elrond's been, well, I honestly think that Elrond's been kind of kept into, in the dark about mm-hmm. all the plannings that, that um, King uh, Gilgalad has going on. I don't think right. he really knows about the Mithril. I think this is his discovery. His discovery of that I of think his it's own. Pretty obvious. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That that's very because I'm I'm sure that he knows of Mithril, kind of thing. He he knows the lore behind it of how it was supposedly yeah. created, and but yes. nobody's been able to but discover. But he doesn't it. know that the dwarves have discovered that. That's the mission he was sent on mm-hmm. for it. Um, and again, I thought that their their big discovery was the. Uh, I don't even know. I'm not, I'm not going to talk about it again. Uh, so, yeah, the, the the dwarves had their own name for it as well, and Elrond was like, no. Grey Glitter. Grey Glitter. That's the dwarven name for it. Kind of bland. That is a little bit bland. No, yeah. when he said it, it was like Mithril. Mithroud. Mithroud. That's what yeah. it, you You fucking nerd. <laughs> I took notes. <laughs> Mithroud. Uh, but then he says, no, it would be Mithril. Mithril. Yeah. Lighter than silk, harder than iron, might be dearer than gold. So that's kind of the first uh, introduction. Do you think that the dwarfs will share the Mithril with the elves? Do you think they're going to keep it firm? Because, again, stigmatism of dwarfs, that they're uh, greedy. I think Durin would be compassionate. Yeah. Prince Durin. I think there seems to be a lot of conflict going on with the king. He, he seems to be very uh, not trustworthy of them. and But then as well, King Gilgalad, he, he isn't being quite yeah. informative King as well. King Gilgalad is definitely... He's trying to use Elrond for his... He's being race. a bit shady. Yeah. It's there's a bit shady of an elf. There's, there's shadiness yeah. from the elf king, there's shadiness from the dwarf king, but I think Durin and Elrond are pretty, like... Uh-huh. But after he, he, he mentions, it's not Mithra, it's Mithril. The king yeah. happens. That's right. Yes, and uh, and Prince Durin dives right in. Yeah, my I, thoughts. Yours, Balrog. Balrog. Balrog, yeah. dude. It's the Mines of Moria, man. It's the Balrog. Oh fuck! I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Oh. It's the Balrog getting a little feisty okay. over there. He, uh-huh. Yeah, they are awakening the darkness of it. How many Balrogs do you? Th- think there are in middle earth because we've seen the one in lord of the rings but that is the same one that is in casa doom mm. that cleared out Mines all of the dwarves. yeah yeah no idea 
I, I'm not sure either if they uh, have discovered more than one, if they've awoken more than one. But I'd, I'd shit bricks if they if they awoken a Balrog. If we got to see a Balrog this season whole, too? Yeah, a whole army of Balrogs. That'd be terrifying. Oh, oh shit chickens. Yeah, I mean, even, even Gandalf shit, had... Shit chickens, shit and bricks. I mean, Balrog literally killed Gandalf, and then he leveled up to be the White Wizard. Mm-hmm. So... They're no joke. Yeah, they're no um, joke. That'd be interesting. Let me take it back. If we got to see the Balrog do anything mm-hmm. in, in this season, yeah. then I will shit chickens that shit bricks. That sounds painful. <laughs> that, but uh, I, I'm very interested. I'm very curious as well, because again, this is only season one. What, yeah. what would they follow up with that for seasons two through five? Plus spinoff. Spinoff is for the Balrogs. Yes. (laughs) That's what I want to see. Take notes. What's the... Better tell Balrog. (laughs) (laughs) Better call Balrog. Better call Balrog. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Um, So, I I like that scene quite a bit. Durin just kind of jumps in and that just kind of shows his heart. Mm -hmm. And then Disa's whole, uh, like, really dramatic wailing song afterwards pleading to the rocks Alron kind of witnesses the rocks kind of shaking a little bit and then mm-hmm. he goes to these afterwards like what was that mm-hmm. she says oh it's a plea to the rocks so it shows that, that yeah the dwarves kind of have a little bit of a power influence over rocks which is kind of cool uh what 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 it was is i i was reading more into that is that they similar to how the elves have such a relationship with trees and life and and such that dwarfs have a relationship with the mountains and rocks that the ores and such that they are able to communicate with them and and such as well communicate on on another level i can see so i found that very interesting she did a lovely job that was actually quite moving when when it panned to her and i was like oh shit that yeah the dwarves have some art to them yeah, and then it's kind of interesting. I, I like to see that whole dynamic between Durin and Elrond. Mm-hmm. The, the scene where Deese is like, so tell me again, how did you two meet? <laughs> yeah. And then Durin's like, oh, I rescued Elrond from a troll. And then Elrond's like, oh, I'm about to clear that up a little bit. So there were three trolls, and actually I was the one who rescued you. And just it's just... <laughs> yes. Dawn of the Red. Yes. Hey, nine Kossi. That's yeah. the good stuff right there. You owe us some advertisement. But I really liked I really liked that whole scene. Just like the interaction, the 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 chemistry that the two actors have with each other, I think is great. I think that's definitely the highlight of the show for me. So there was a little bit that happened with Arwen or sorry, not Arwen. Um Aaron Deer. Okay. Um We don't see too much. Um they basically go to the watchtower. Bronwyn is able to rally the troops to go to the watchtower of Osterith um, and kind of mm-hmm. hold out there for a bit. And then Theo's all like, yeah, I want to go and get some food from the village. And Bronwyn's like, nah, sounds well, dumb. Yeah, that, that came about because the fucking food holder uh, for their refugees. Waldrek. Yep, he, he pulled out four potatoes and was like supper and so yeah they they needed to go yeah. and figure something out for food because there's uh, there's a, quite a few people there 
Not, uh-huh. not for potatoes worth. Yeah. For him. Yeah, and so Brano's suggestion was like, oh, yeah, let's go kill some rabbits. Like, that might feed them for a day, but right. got to worry a little bit a little bit longer than that. Uh-huh. And so Theo has the good idea of going to the village. However, right. it's pretty clear at this point that the village is not the place to be at because mm-hmm. of orcs. Yep, orcs um, have overrun it. Yeah, and, and it, that kind of like, it's just this whole episode gave me vibes that, that he, the same vibes I got from Carl from The Walking Dead, just that kind of always getting in trouble. Carl! Carl! <laughs> yeah. He, but he, he, is, he is a Middle Earth Carl there. He's a Middle Earth Carl. Because I think knows me a little bit. I think he was. Um, I I was calling it from his the beginning of his little journey that he was going back for the sword. He was going yeah. back for the flaming sword of Sauron. Yeah. And so we got to see that this episode there, mm-hmm. where he pulled it up out of the floorboard while they were getting food. His friend ran off, leading him right back to where they were hiding out. Yeah. I don't know, because Adar already seemed to know where they were hiding out. He told Aaron Deer, he said, go back to them and give them a message. Oh, Adar, Adar knows. Yeah, Adar he knows, knows what's going on. Adar. But, uh, yeah, so then, but that's where we see Theo. He pulls out the sword. He he forces it into his forearm to expand the full blade of it and fights off an orc. And Waldreg, the four potatoes guy he shows that scar right there on his wrist oh he's showing that he's done that too that's right he he pulled him aside and said that he knew what it was because he pulled it from his barn theo pulled it from his barn exactly and so Uh that that led to this whole really interesting scene um i mean obviously theo and friend whoever whatever that name is they go into the village they get some food um friend runs away he gets skittish theo ends up um course getting surrounded by orcs and so iron deer rescues him at the last second and then bronwyn comes out and oh my god now that scene the yes. scene of him sneaking through the orcs camp and such again the flashbacks that i got to shadow of mordor and shadow of war when you're playing that game you're you're sneaking through the tall grass so they the orcs can't see you everything's on fire yeah. and such i was i was getting flashbacks of that and i was like god i feel like i'm playing a game right now i wanted to beat my head in did you and, and here's why like when you're okay think about it this way. when you're playing hide and seek right you uh-huh. check a spot and then it's been checked you move on okay they were checking the same freaking spot all day long like it starts <laughs> off it's daytime and then it's nighttime they're like Oh, he's not here. Check it again. And he's literally been in the same exact freaking spot all, like in the freaking well the entire mm-hmm. day. And they're checking all around. It's like, how many times are you going to check the open space there? It's like, these orcs be dumb, dude. Apparently you sucked at uh, hide and seek then. Apparently I did. I, or I just found the people on I the first was, try. I was the hide and seek champion uh, growing up. So of course I, you were. I know. And that's why you just hide in one spot that is <laughs> superb. Theo gets it. You don't. <laughs> but, but yeah, Aaron Deer comes in and saves them afterwards. Uh, then Bronwyn comes in uh, to save Theo. Yeah, uh, that was quite it. That was quite the shot as well when they ran into that opening there. That, like that yeah. So I like the chase scene. There was this one spot, one part in particular where freaking Aaron Deer, dude. That yeah. guy's badass. Mm-hmm. He grabs an arrow mid-flight and then he mm-hmm. knocks it. Like, the bow scenes are fantastic. That That's what I was I was going to point out as well, is that he caught that arrow 
locks and loads, kills an orc with that same fucking arrow. Some legless vibes. But then in the previous episode, his friend, who is also an elf, just gets pummeled by three arrows uh, trying to run away from the prison. Yeah, I know. Dude, and that just goes further. Remember what I was telling you? Like, the whole troll battle, first episode. Galadriel is um, the only capable warrior. Yeah. And then you have Arendir when they're doing the freaking chain jujitsu thing. Uh Arendir is the only capable warrior. It's like whenever there's a fight scene, there's only one capable warrior. It's like... Do you you think that elves are of equality? Like, they they are made from the same fucking strand kind of thing? No, I think it's like humans. Like, you definitely have your lesser elves. But at the same time, too, when you're several thousand years old... True. In I mean, that he, age. That, that elf, uh, he was a watchman of the South. He was patrolling yeah. it. He was a soldier. You think you know what's up. Like, that's that's different than Elrond yeah. and Celebrimbor. I would not expect them to be doing what Legolas and Arendir do. Uh, but then again, there's that whole talk about Elrond taking on the three trolls to help save Durin. But we know that that was just them talking up. Because was it? The, the dwarfs were also talking up as well. Yeah. That, that was a friendly a friendly thing. Yeah, okay. I would say. Fair but enough. as well, I would say that Elrond would be able to take on... I don't know. Are they the same trolls that we saw in Lord yeah. of the Rings? Basically, yeah? yeah. Quite tricky because Legolas wasn't able to yeah, take that Yeah, I think your point is himself. not every elf is a fighter. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, too, when you've been around for thousands of years, like eventually you're going to learn how to fight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, you're going to learn... You're going to specialize of many things. But I got to say, my contention to that, um, that whole scene there, uh, you know, yeah. that whole badass scene, Aaron, grabs an arrow mid-flight, knocks it, shoots it, um, and then they get out to the clearing, and they take, like, ten steps away from the trees, and then all of a sudden they're safe? It's it, like... It was quite a bit, because I remember the scene when they panned back to the orcs that like were stuck in the, sh- in the... Sh- they weren't that far. They were definitely with the bow side. Yeah. And then it took like a whole minute of that, like all that slow-mo coming in with them looking back and Theo you, being all like, ah, my leg. You definitely could have hit him with an arrow. I would say yeah. so. Yes, you could have definitely hit him with an arrow. But then, yeah, the orcs, they were it out there. I remember the one, the the leading orc, mm. he was doing his little kind of scream. Yeah. He was pissed. He was like, you got into the sunlight again. Yeah. My one weakness Vitamin D. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was well done. Um, and I then, so. yeah, they they ultimately though uh, Theo's friend does bring food back into the refuge. There, uh, they they ran out like all of the Southlands as well. I remember when they were bringing in a new uh, settlement that mm. from a evacuating town that they were saying how they they. They got the whole Southlands now. Yeah. The orcs do. So I'm very curious to see the beginning of Mordor then. Yeah. Uh, hopefully that picks up in next episode. And so that yeah. that picks up uh, the next episode. And it, with that, that's where we will pick up episode five, Rings of Power. This is Cody. That's my boy Michael. And this is MDC Podcast. I don't even know if that was the outro for us. Like, if you were done, it just felt natural to go with that. Well, if you ha- it's if Lord you of the Rings. Have- I'm never done. Yeah, but that's a good stuff.
This has been MDC Podcast. We want to thank you for listening. Make sure to like, subscribe, and tell Grandma. We're dropping new episodes every Sunday and Thursday. Let us hear what we should do next down in the comments. Numere, you dorks. <laughs>